Amen, amen. Feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm going to read a, uh, a verse. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm preaching tonight, but I actually uh, read it here to begin prayer. It says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. I don't know about you tonight, but I came to serve the Lord heartily. Amen. He has been so very good to me. If you believe that, why don't you lift up your hands? Why don't you praise the King of Kings? Oh God, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, you are worthy of the glory, Jesus. You are worthy of the honor, God. Oh, we lift up your mighty name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. In the back of my mind... I was thinking, maybe pastor will do another testimony service. But no, he didn't. Brother Nate Farrell leaned over to me. He said, I love services like this. I said, oh yeah? He said, because it's just like it's an appetizer. Like there's so much greater things to come. And I didn't tell him I was preaching. I didn't want to... I didn't want to make him disappointed. Oh, man. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. Amen. I do feel like I have a word from the Lord here tonight. Amen. I do want to say thank you to my pastor. I love my pastor. I love his family. They have been so very wonderful to me. And um, thank you for the words. And they, they have just been a rock to me. Uh, I go to them. I have all kinds of questions. And... Uh, they never seem tired of me, so I just keep going back. And I, I thank Bishop Frost. It's an honor to call you my bishop. Amen. And I give honor to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. It's his house, and I, it, is, it is good to give him glory. Job chapter 1 and verse number 1 is where we will take our text here from tonight. Job chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright. That word perfect doesn't mean perfect in the way that we think it does. It means complete. But, it was, but Job was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Verse number 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. With the help of the Holy Ghost and with your help tonight, I want to preach on this, this subject to be considered of the Lord. 
to be considered of the Lord. If you would help me pray, God, I pray that your anointing God would come into this house. God, let your anointing fill this house. Oh, God, touch these humble lips of clay. God, you know I'm not apt to preach this. God, but I pray that your anointing, God, and that your power and that your glory, God, would be here. God, bless this, the rest of this service in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To be considered of the Lord. The book of Job is, is an interesting book. It's quite possibly the oldest book in the Bible. And there seems to be this debate that happens uh, between scholars as they say, is it Job or is it Genesis? And this is obviously not uh, debate, debated on uh, the, the contents of the book uh, because Genesis obviously predates Job by a mighty long time uh, because it says in the beginning, right? In the very, very beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But they are talking about in this debate if Job was the first book of the Bible that was written. And those that argue for Job will say that it is the oldest book because uh, there's no mention of Mosaic law. There's no mention um, of a covenant. There's no mention of a promised land or of the Israelites. And also they point to the fact that Job himself would sacrifice on the behalf of his children and he would take on the role of a priest. And it is an interesting discussion. Um, and that's about all I know about it. But there is a much more engaging uh, discourse that is going on inside the book of Job. There is a lot of dialogue going on. And if you are unaware or if you have forgotten uh, the outline of the book of Job, it can be a little confusing as there is there's a lot of different conversations that are, are happening. And so the storyline, uh, for all intents purposes, disregarding the first five verses of Job, which are just a background about Job, but the rest uh, of the book generally follows this outline. The storyline begins in the heavenly, and then it switches to the earthly. And then it switches back to the heavenly and back to the earthly, and finally, there is a moment where the heavenly meets the earthly. I just want to say here on the onset of this message that I am thankful for church services where the heavenly meets the earthly. Amen. I'm thankful for moments that we can come into contact with the heavenly. I'm thankful that we get together. And I'm thankful that the singers put in the time. And I'm thankful that the preacher studies his notes. Oh, but what a wonder it is when the heavenly comes down to the earthly. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. When the heavenly comes down to the earthly, there are chains that can begin to break. When the heavenly comes down to the earthly, there are lives that can be set free. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody I said, I want the heavenly to be down in the earthly. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some may think it is trivial. Some may think it is not even real, but I have seen it. When the heavenly comes into contact with the earthly, there are chains that begin to fall. When the heavenly comes into contact with the earthly, pride gets shoved out the window. Amen. Because when the heavenly comes in, there is no telling what can happen. Amen. Amen. I want the heavenly, amen, to be in the earthly. We read just the beginning portion of the heavenly dialogue that begins the book of Job, but 
to find out exactly who this man that has been considered a special consideration of the Lord. You have to read the first five verses. And it's in these verses that we find out that Job is a very blessed man. And that Job has seven sons and they have uh, their own houses that they go to feast everyone his son. He has three daughters and he has uh, camels and he has ox and he has uh, donkeys and he has all these, all these things. And that was a sign of great wealth during that time. And he, it, the Bible says that he has a very great household. But it is within this first heavenly scene that the Bible tells us there was a certain day that came about when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came among them. And the Lord asked Satan, where are you coming from? And he says, I've been walking up and down the earth. And I, I read this and I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted because completely unprovoked. He just, God just asked Satan where you were coming from. And he, he tells him, and then the Lord says, you know what, have you considered my servant Job? And when we look at that, that, that can be kind of puzzling because why would God do it? Why would God reference Job? But it's because God is trying to get the glory. It is within a single day that the messengers tell Job, uh, Job the Sabaeans have taken your ox and your donkeys. The fire of God has consumed your sheep. The Chaldeans have fallen upon the camels and taken them. And lastly, a great wind uh, from the wilderness has smote the corners of the house where your children were. It has killed them all. It, it was one right after the other that the messengers would come and they would tell of total destruction that has happened to everything that Job has owned. And here Job, in this peculiar response, the Bible says that he rises up he shaves his head, he rents his mantle, he falls to the ground, and he worships. And that might seem like enough for Job to deal with, but the scene goes back to the heavenly, and we are transported there as the reader, and Satan is before God again. And you know what the Lord says? Hast thou considered my servant Job? He's a perfect and an upright man. He's one that fears God and he eschews evil. But this time, God puts a little tagline on the end. And he says, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. I want to encourage somebody today to keep your integrity because you never know what is going on in the heavenly. You never know. You just might be considered of the Lord. There just might be some conversations that you don't even know about, but you're just going about your daily business, and you're just living for God, and you're doing everything that you know how to do, and you're giving your tithes and your offering, and you come in and you praise God with everything that you have, and you worship God, and you live for Him, and you pray, and you fast, and you read the Word of God, and then all of a sudden there's a trial that comes into your life, and you're thinking, what in the world, God? Why would you pick me? It's because God has considered you worthy of consideration. It's because God said, you know what? Yeah, that's the one, Brother Nate. I can make something out of him. I can get a testimony out of him. I can get some glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've come to tell somebody it may look like a curse. Oh, but it is an honor to be considered of the Lord. It's, it's, it's an honor to be considered of the Lord because he trusts you. He believes that you are able to make it through the fire and to make it through the storm.
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Amen. I know you don't understand why you've been giving, you've been trying, and here you are. You are now considered of the Lord. You know, when God asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, he already considered him. Sometimes we think, oh man, I'm in some trial. God doesn't even know what I'm dealing with. God doesn't even know what I'm going through. God, I can't make it out of this. God's saying, no, I've already considered it. I've already considered you. God's not just going to throw you in the fire if you're not ready, church. You may not feel ready. He may stretch you. It may feel like a breaking point, but God has considered you. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That word tempt, God does not tempt. He's a tempter of no man. And so what that word really means is test. Sometimes there are moments where God is testing us and he is putting, into, putting us into spots for his glory and we don't understand and we don't know the conversations that are happening in heaven and that are happening on earth and so we are just being considered. Sometimes we don't even know it. So God asked Satan a second time, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan's response is skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And he's inching closer. He's wanting to see how far, how much he can take from Job. But, oh, I love this part. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. I don't know if you caught it. Satan told God to put forth his hand. You know why? Because he couldn't put forth his hand. Sometimes we go through things and we're, we're struggling and we think, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? Can I tell you that God has considered you and there's some, there are some conversations, but I'm telling you that the enemy of your soul and the accuser of, of the brethren, the one that is trying to change your eternity, he doesn't have the power that you think he has, amen, but God is more powerful than the enemy. Oh, hallelujah, I said that God is more powerful than the, than the enemy. Oh, come on, somebody. Satan is not God's evil equivalent. He doesn't have the same kind of power of God. He is not darkness where God is light. But God so much supersedes the enemy of your soul. You don't have to worry, but God has considered you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Satan is a mere creature that was created by God just like you and me. And so when God says, I will give you power to become the sons of God, you don't have to worry about those things. Because God will with the temptation or with the test, he will make a way to escape. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Feels good in the house of the Lord. I love the story of Job for, for several reasons, but one of, one of which is that it refutes the notion held by some in this world that God creates and then he's just hands off. He creates and I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, I think it's a... They call it the pocket watch theory. And that is that God creates the pocket watch just like a watchmaster would. He puts all the pieces in and then he lets it spin, lets it go. God doesn't work like that. Said God doesn't work like that. When we're going through trials, God's there with us. 
Amen. He's in it with us. Amen. Amen. In Job 2 and 6, the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Job, it was such a tragedy that you lost your animals. Job, I wish I could tell you that it was some horrific and terrible nightmare that you've lost your kids. But now God has allowed Satan to touch your body. The Lord tells Satan, behold, he is in thine hand. Wait a minute, God. I didn't sign up for that. The prayer I remember praying was, put me in the master's hands. God, make me, form me, mold me. You remember those prayers, God. You're the potter and I'm the clay. You know, God, those are, those are the prayers that I've been praying this week. I, I didn't ask to be placed into the hands of Satan. But God drew some boundaries around Job. And he places them in the hand of Satan. It might seem like a foreign concept to be placed in Satan's hands. It's certainly not a comfortable one. But I think really what God wants to know tonight is what are you going to do when you're in those uncomfortable positions? What are you going to do when you're in bad shape? What are you going to do when boils are on your body from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet? What are you going to do when you're scraping yourself with a piece of pottery for relief? Are you going to curse God and die like Job's wife said? Or are you going to respond and say, shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? And shall we not receive evil? That got about the response that I thought it would. We always want to talk about the blessings of God. But you know what? He gave. And he can take away. He said he gave. It's his to give. And so he can take it away. Amen. Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Church, there has got to be a resolution among the church of the Most High God that I'm not going to live solely for the blessings of God, but I am trying, and I am trying to attain a relationship with the Most High God. If he is interested in knowing my name, then I'll spend some time in prayer. If he is interested in walking with me from day to day, then I will spend some time in the Word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we want to thank God for the blessings. Thank God for the nice car. Thank God for the wonderful job. But nobody wants to thank him for the evil things. I know it's not popular preaching, but I'm trying to encourage somebody in the storm. That you think that just because God hasn't blessed you in the last couple months, you think God walked out on you. You think that God's done. And here you are. In service tonight. Amen. Some time passes in Job's life. And his three friends have come to be with him. The Bible says that they waited for seven days before a word was spoken. And with the exception of, of the last chapter, chapter 42. Job can pretty much be split into two parts. A dialogue between Job and his friends. And another man that comes into the picture. Um, by the name of Elihud. And Dialogue between God and Job. The rest of the book of Job almost reads like a court case. And Job is in this position of he's playing the defendant. And his friends, his friends, are the prosecutors. And they begin to give him advice. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was actually pretty good advice. You want to know the problem was it was misapplied. It wasn't set for his time. 
And so they start out, Pastor, they start out talking to him, and they're graciously explaining. You know, if you would just do this, I think you could get out of it. I think if you were just to do this or that, I think that, that God would have some mercy on you. But when he does not respond very well to their, uh, their dissertations, if you will, that's when they began to vehemently, vehemently, they came after him. And they began to attack Job. And they began to attack his integrity. And they began to attack his character. And they begin to talk about sore subjects. Like, you know what, if you really uh, didn't have sin in your life, then maybe your family would still be alive. And they begin to say things like that. It's within the next 39 chapters of the book of Job that there are about 310 questions that are asked. Job asked 140 of them. His friends ask about 100. And God himself asked about 70 questions. And it is all in this dialogue. Here is Job. He doesn't want to be around anybody. And they are grilling him, saying, you got sin in your life. And he's saying, they didn't even see all the stuff on the back road where I would be sacrificing every day for my kids just in case they were doing something evil. And here is Job. And he is trying to figure out what to, what to do. And so I've come to tell you tonight to beware the sensible. Before you think I lost my marbles, I'm going somewhere. I'm not saying to not use logic. I'm not saying to, to, uh, to not listen to your pastor, absolutely. Listen to your pastor, adhere to the word of God, use wisdom. The Bible talks in Proverbs that wisdom is more precious than rubies. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all talk about Jesus as having wisdom. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about beware the sensible. Beware the things that everybody else is telling you how you should live your life. Beware the sensible things that make sense to the carnal eye. Beware the things that make sense to the flesh. Beware the things uh, that would put you in a position that is at aught with God. And so we live in a physical plane, just as Job did, but we interact with things that are on a spiritual plane. Ephesians says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you are considered of the Lord, there will be times where you have no idea what's going on. You'll be, you'll be like somebody wandering around in the dark. You're trying to grasp something that you don't even know what it is. And here you are. You're looking like a crazy person. You're trying to get a hold of something because every, there's nothing there. And you, it seems like you're all by yourself. And it seems like all the fingers are pointed at you. And you're not sure where God is. Because when you are considered of the Lord, there's going to be some times that you don't know up from down and you don't know right from left. But I've come to tell you that still in those moments, when it feels like a dark room, when it feels like you're all alone, when it feels like all the fingers are pointed at you, you still need to trust in God. Hallelujah. You still need to find a place of prayer. You still need to find a place, a time of consecration with God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't stop living for God just because you don't understand what's going on in your life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just because you start having trials doesn't mean you stop living for God. Just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean that you stop coming to church. Oh, come on, you just keep coming to church and you just keep praying and you just keep reading the word of God and you just keep fasting and you keep petitioning God and one day or another, the heavens will break open and you will get your answer, but you will only get it if you stay in the fight. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. I don't want to give up too early. I don't want to miss the blessings of God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't give up on God. But God is still with you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. As the musicians, please come. I wonder what would have happened to Abraham if he would have made decisions just based off of the physical plane. If he would have made decisions based off of the sensible. He wouldn't have been the father of the faithful. I'll tell you that much. What about Moses? Logic says no. You're telling me we're in this place of slavery and you came out of a wilderness and a burning bush said it was God and said that he's going to come out with the mighty hand. That's not very sensible. When, you, when you're considered of the Lord, there's moments that don't make sense. What about David? The sensible says you don't let a young boy fight against a giant trained in warfare. What about Peter? The sensible says you can't walk on water when the water's still, but you want to step out on the bow of the boat when the winds are boisterous? Nah, it's not sensible. What about Esther? The sensible says it's a death threat to just walk into the king's room unless you're called there. But when you're considered of the Lord, there's some duties that are on you. There are some things, some responsibilities, and some obligations that are placed upon you. Oh, it's not fair, God. Why, why, why'd you pick me? I, I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm just trying to keep living for God. And I just keep coming to church. And I just keep paying tithes and offering. And I just keep doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of person God's looking for. God's looking for somebody here tonight. He's looking for somebody that's just faithful. Day in and day out. You know what, ha what you have to do when you are considered of the Lord, you have to walk by faith because <laughs> your sight doesn't work. Because all the other options, they don't, they don't make, the, the things that would make sense, it seems like you're about to walk through the door and you're like, oh man, that's not the right one. And you start to check all the other options and none of them are working and you're just in this blank room. You're not sure what to do. You just got to keep walking by faith. Peter, Peter was also considered the Bible records at least one other instance where Satan specifically asked permission to attack an individual. It's in Luke 22, 31 and 32. It reads, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Oh. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. What are you supposed to do when you don't know what to do? You just keep walking by faith. You know what? Jesus could have prayed for anything else. He could have prayed for strength. He could have prayed for wisdom to get out of the situations. He could have, he could have prayed that Peter would have even more anointing. But you know what? He prayed for one thing alone. He prayed for his faith. He said, Peter, I pray that your faith fail you not because it's when you're in the dark room. It's when you're in the valley and things aren't making sense. It's when you are considered of the Lord that it is your faith that will get you from point A to point B. When everybody else is saying that it won't work out and there will be no 
way possible. It is when you step out in faith. Oh, somebody needs to step out in faith tonight. These altars are open. You need to step out in faith and say, God, I don't know. Oh, but I'm trusting you. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do in my situation. I don't know how I'm supposed to proceed. Oh, hallelujah. I prayed about it. I still don't have an answer. We'll keep on praying, saying him, God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 Jesus. God, fill 